Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? I just finished watching the Sunday night football game, Packers 49ers. It really looked like the 49ers were going to pull it out. It was another amazing game, but you really just cannot leave any time on the clock for Aaron Rodgers. Him and Crosby have been doing this for years, so it's almost not even a surprise anymore. But in this video, I'm going to be going through some of the top waiver wire targets going into week four of the NFL season. So I'm going to be going through five running backs, five wide receivers, five quarterbacks, five tight ends, and then five defenses that you guys should have your eyes on going into week four. While you guys are watching this, if you're enjoying the content, please just hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and then let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. You know, it could be about this video, waiver wire pickups, it could be start sits, trade advice, anything fantasy football related, drop that comment down below and I'll be responding to every single comment. But let's just get right into the running backs and keep in mind, these aren't in any specific order because certain teams are going to need different kind of pickups on their team, but these are just kind of five guys that you guys should be paying attention to. So we're going to start it off with Chuba Hubbard. Obviously, he's probably going to be the number one pickup overall, just because it looks like he's going to be taking over that starting role as the Panthers running back because Christian McCaffrey is out. Good news for McCaffrey owners. It doesn't look like it's super serious. He's probably only going to be missing a few weeks. They're not even going to put him on IR which is obviously great news. But I mean, if you're someone who needs to fill a running back spot, maybe you've been dealing with injuries or just kind of had a poor draft at the position, Chuba Hubbard's a guy you could plug in for at least the next few weeks. Thursday night, we saw him finish with 11 rush attempts, five targets on a full game of production. He's probably gonna be somewhere in that 13 to 15 rush attempt range, probably around like five or six targets, which is honestly enough to make him a borderline running back too. So he probably should be the number one option this week. Plus he's only owned in 11.3% of leagues. So he's most likely out there. Then the next guy is going to be Kenneth Gainwell owned in just over 28% of leagues. And he hasn't even played in his Monday night football matchup, but through two games, he has 15 rush attempts, six targets. And you know, when you're kind of looking for running backs, it's going to be slim pickings, but I'm trying to find running backs who could potentially have standalone value and then kind of take over this bigger role if injuries do happen. So while you may not feel comfortable starting Gainwell, you know, going into week three or week four, I think he could kind of continue to build on this role, get more involved in the receiving game and be a potential like flex play if you are really desperate. And then if Miles Sanders goes down, I do think you can be confident that he's going to step in and be the clear number one out of that backfield. The third player I'm going to talk about at the running back position is going to be Giovanni Bernard. He is owned in 12.3% of leagues. And obviously if he's injured, you know, he was kind of banged up late after his receiving touchdown, then obviously don't pick him up. But this is under the assumption that he's going to be ready for week four. But he kind of had a slow start the first two weeks of the season. It didn't seem like he was super comfortable. He was recovering from an ankle injury that he was dealing with throughout camp. And he just wasn't really locked into the playbook overall. But he definitely saw a major increase in his role in week three. He was targeted 10 times which is crazy. And obviously a lot of that is due to game script. You know, they were trailing for the majority of the game. So they're going to have him out there as opposed to guys like Fournette and Rojo. But honestly, you know, the more weeks we see into the season, Fournette and Rojo have just been major disappointments. So I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Gio continues to see more work. They just kind of accept, you know, we're going to be a very pass heavy team. We're going to use the weapons and our very strong position groups at the wide receiver and tight end positions. And if they're just going to rely on that passing game a ton, Giovanni Bernard is the clear top pass catching back out of that backfield. 
So he's a guy you should definitely have your eye on. Then we have Latavius Murray, who's owned in a decent amount of leagues, 45.9% owned. And he really did nothing week three. You know, the Ravens had very little success running the ball with their running backs, but he did have seven overall carries, which led all the running backs. And there's just not going to be, you know, many top options at this position on the waiver wire. So just another guy to look out for. And then the last player here is going to be Alexander Madison, owned in 40.7% of leagues. Obviously, if you have Dalvin Cook on your team, you probably already should have owned Alexander Madison, especially once we saw that Dalvin Cook was questionable for the game. He ended up not playing and Madison absolutely balled out because he basically just took over that Cook workload. So this could really apply to a lot of these handcuff running backs. I know the idea of owning a handcuff running back can kind of be controversial in fantasy football. And I definitely understand the point of like, you're just kind of wasting a roster spot. But I think if you have these clear, you know, alpha running backs, if you have a Christian McCaffrey, you should probably have Chuba Hubbard. If you have Dalvin Cook, you should have Alexander Madison. If you have a guy like Alvin Kamara, you should probably have Tony Jones. You know, when you're kind of getting into that RB2 range, then I could understand not really having the handcuff. But when you kind of need someone to be your RB1, you should probably have your backup. So that's kind of going to apply to all the other handcuffs on the waiver wire. So just look out for that. But now let's move on to the wide receiver position. And I'm going to start it off talking about Emmanuel Sanders. He is owned in just over 23% of leagues. And he's seen six plus targets in all three games of the season. You want someone who's going to be giving you some solid volume, a guy that you feel pretty confident, you know, starting into your lineup on a week to week basis. And then week three, he really just had his huge breakout, five receptions for 94 receiving yards and two touchdowns. It really looked like this Bills offense started to click. And obviously Josh Allen really likes Emmanuel Sanders as a target. So if that offense continues to cook, you know, these receivers are going to feast and Sanders should be a guy who is owned in more than 23% of leagues. Then the next player here is going to be Christian Kirk, and he should probably be the number one pickup at the wide receiver position. It's crazy that he is still only owned in 22.7% of leagues. He is averaging 17 PPR points per game. You know, I understand the hype with Rondell Moore, but Christian Kirk is still the number two in that offense, and that is going to be a very solid Arizona Cardinals passing attack. Kyler Murray has been feasting, and honestly, this was a down game for that offense overall, and Christian Kirk still feasted, so he should definitely be owned in way more leagues. And another guy who should be owned in way more leagues is Tim Patrick. He is only owned in 14% of leagues, but he has scored over 12 PPR points in all three weeks of the season. You're just not going to be finding that kind of consistency on the waiver wire. Then I've got Hunter Renfro, who is owned in 11% of leagues, and he has seen at least six targets every single game, averaging 14.1 PPR points per game. And you know, the first few weeks, I was like, do I really want to own Hunter Renfro? He doesn't really have that ceiling. You kind of have these other young wide receivers there, but I've kind of reached the point that I just do not trust Ruggs or Edwards. I don't think they're going to have these huge breakouts. You know, they're going to have their games just because they are kind of big play guys. But Renfro is the player that Derek Carr trusts. He has a great chance of being the most targeted wide receiver at the end of the season. And that is a guy who should be owned. You know, there's not going to be many wide receiver ones on the waiver wire. The fifth and final wide receiver is going to be Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And he's kind of a guy I've had my eye on going into the season. He's someone I've picked up in some of my much larger leagues. And it really took him a few weeks to get going. You know, week one, you really couldn't take anything away from that horrible Packers performance. And then week two, 
I mean, he got open multiple times down the field and Rodgers missed him like three or four times. They even mentioned on the broadcast of Sunday Night Football that Rodgers actually went and apologized to him because he did miss him so many times, but he did not miss the opportunities week three. MVS went for three receptions, 59 yards, and a touchdown. He is only owned in 3.4% of leagues. If they can continue to develop that chemistry, he definitely has some big playability and could put together some monster games throughout the season. You know, would I trust putting him into my lineup on a week-to-week basis? Probably not, but maybe you need a big-time performance out of the flex. MVS could definitely supply you that in certain matchups. Let's move on to the tight ends where I have Austin Hooper who is owned in just under 50% of leagues. So he does kind of qualify here. He's averaging 8.2 PPR points per game. Obviously nothing crazy, nothing you're super excited about in your lineup. But if you're in desperate need of a tight end, he's someone who's probably not gonna go out and give you a goose egg. He may not have a crazy high ceiling, but you do kind of know he is going to be involved in this offense. The next guy I have here is Dawson Knox and he should probably be one of the top pickups at the position. He's owned in just under 15% of leagues. He has scored eight plus points every single week, and he is currently averaging 10.9 PPR points per game. He manages to stay involved in the offense, whether it's by getting just enough volume or getting into the end zone. And you know, if I'm looking for a waiver wire tight end, I probably want them to be on a pretty solid offense because they do have that touchdown upside. And that definitely applies to Dawson Knox. Then I have Tyler Conklin here. He is owned in almost no leagues, 2.6% ownership, but he saw eight week three targets. In week three, he went for seven receptions, 70 yards, and one touchdown. And overall, this Vikings kind of passing attack is very focused on a few players. You obviously have Justin Jefferson, you have Adam Thielen, you have Delvin Cook, or today it was Alexander Madison. KJ Osborne was very involved week one and week two. And then it's Tyler Conklin at the tight end position. So that's not a bad spot for Conklin to kind of stay in an offense that's been very effective so far. And there is no way he should be owned in under 10% of leagues. That is crazy. And that ownership is definitely going to shoot up this week. The next guy here is going to be Gerald Everett, owned in just over 11% of leagues. And he has scored 10 points in two out of three games. I know some of these stats may seem cherry-picked, but you kind of have to do it at the tight end position. He was the number two guy in targets week three for the Seahawks. So week one, he got into the end zone, and I wasn't super hyped about it just because he didn't see that volume. Then week two was basically just a dud. But then, you know, he goes out week three. Obviously, it helps that Lockett was kind of banged up throughout the game, but he was number three in targets. If he can kind of continue to work into this offense, I think he could be a guy who starts to pick it up later in the season. And then the last tight end, he has become a staple on this list, and it's Hunter Henry, owned in 36.8% of leagues. He's basically seen an increase in targets and points every single week. You know, I don't think that's going to continue into numbers that I feel comfortable throwing into my lineup, but just something to track. You know, maybe he is cutting into Jonu Smith's work just a little bit. And Smith did kind of have a big mess up this week, tipped the ball up into the air that ended up turning into a pick six. So maybe he can start to emerge as the tight end one, but it's definitely something that's still a very fluid situation. Now we're on to the quarterback position where there are honestly some really solid options here. Like if you've had a quarterback go down or just haven't played well, the waiver wire should be decently stacked for you. And the first guy I'm going to talk about, he's been on this list every single week. It's Kirk Cousins. It is crazy that this man is only owned in 32.3% of leagues. He's averaging 24.1 points per game, eight passing touchdowns, zero interceptions. He is lighting it up and he has the weapons around him. 
So he has got to be owned in way more leagues. And I think he will be going into week four. Derek Carr is up next here and he barely qualifies for this list. Owned in 49.2% of leagues. He's averaging 23.1 points per game and he scored over 21 points in all three weeks. So he's been very consistent in that production as well. Then we've got Daniel Jones owned in 44.7% of leagues. Week one, balled out 21.4 points. Then week two, another massive game, 29.5 points. And I think a lot of people were hyped for him going into week three. And he kind of laid off the gas a little bit, 16.5 points. But we really got to put some context on this. His wide receiver core was so banged up. Slayton and Shepard left during the game. And so that kind of leaves Galladay as the clear number one. But he was limited going into the game with a hip injury. So, you know, this isn't something I'm going to blame on Daniel Jones. He still showed that he had that rushing upside. He just wasn't able to get into the end zone with his arm or his legs. The fourth quarterback here is going to be Sam Darnold, and he is owned in under 10% of leagues. So a great chance he is on the waiver wire for you. And he has scored 18 plus points in all three weeks, averaging 21.1 points per game. This Panthers offense is looking really solid. You know, it may take a step back with CMC out, but that also could give Sam Darnold the opportunity to throw the ball a little bit more, get some more overall volume. So just something to monitor. And then the last quarterback here is going to be Taylor Heineke. He is owned in only 3.5% of leagues, but he has really kind of given this Washington football team offense a spark. Week two, 20 points, leads that nice comeback. Then week three, follows it up with 21.4 points. It honestly helps him that this defense has been underperforming a ton because he does kind of have to come back. He doesn't just have to like run out the clock with these running backs. So another player to keep an eye on here. And now we're moving on to five defenses that you guys should look into streaming next week. I'm someone who doesn't draft like a top tier defense early. I just pick up the best available options off the waiver wire. And one of those options is going to be the Colts owned in 44.1% of leagues. They're just an overall solid unit and they're matched up against the Dolphins. And the Dolphins weren't terrible today against the Raiders, but they did have a pick six, which kind of padded their stats. And I just don't trust this offense with Jacoby Brissett under center. Another team to look out for to stream is the Bears defense, owned in 14% of leagues, but they're matching up against the Lions. The Lions haven't been awful, but I still don't think they're a top offensive unit, and the Bears haven't looked awful to start off the season. Then we've got the Titans, who really have not played well in week one or week two, had a decent bounce back here in week three, but they're matched up against the Jets, and the Jets have just been turnover machines. Zach Wilson has thrown a ton of interceptions. You know, I'm not really putting that all on him because he's had no protection and he just doesn't have a lot of help around him. But if you're looking for a defense, the Titans could be an option. Then we have the Giants owned in 7.3% of leagues. They're playing against the Saints who also have struggled on offense. Jameis Winston still not sold on him. So they could be a play. And then the last team is going to be the Bengals owned in 5.3% of leagues. Put up a really nice performance today and they're going up against the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence just like Zach Wilson has also been a turnover machine and I have zero confidence in this Jaguars offense. So honestly the streams at the defensive position are looking pretty good this week so just keep your eye on all five of those defenses but that is going to wrap it up for my top waiver wire targets. Thank you guys for stopping by. If you enjoy the content please just hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, let me know your thoughts down below. Stay tuned tomorrow. I'm also going to be putting out my trade targets, you know, the buy low and then also my sell high players. So look out for that. Thank you again. And I'll see you guys next time.